Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks for listening. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes under uh, Pulp Hockey. Don't forget to subscribe. And thanks, everybody, again for listening. We're going to start ramping these shows up more and more. September is here. And, uh, yeah, World Cup and uh, the NHL season just around the corner. So two under, the number two, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Ferraro 20 gets you a discount code, um, is the discount code to get you a discount at two under. Uh, you, the number two, UNDR again. And uh, please, yeah, check them out. A lot of NHLers wear them. Uh, Ray Ferraro wears them. And, I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you want to wear the same underwear that Ray Ferraro wears, right? Uh, Steve Dryden, how are you? Fine. Terrific, thanks. And I'm not that excited about wearing the same underwear as Ray, but I can understand how some others might be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Steve Dryden, uh, part two. Uh, he is the uh, senior managing editor of hockey content at TSN right now, former editor-in-chief of the Hockey News. We did one a couple weeks ago, and uh, I didn't even get halfway down my question. So thank you for uh, coming back on. My pleasure. Um, I guess first up, let's before we get into some hockey news stuff, um, World Cup just around the corner. I'm having a hard time getting excited for it. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's August 31st today. Maybe I'm not in the hockey mode. Maybe it's because, you know, the last World Cup was 96 or yeah, 96, I think. Um, what's your thoughts on it? How do you how do you feel about this uh, this tournament coming up? Well, I can understand how you'd have some, uh, some I don't know if reservations are, it's hard to get worked up, but it may well just be the summer. Um, it may be the format. Mm-hmm. And I'll be curious to see what kind of attention there is in, in Toronto for this and how the non-Canadian team games will go at, at ACC because all the games we played there. Mm-hmm. I think that, that part of it may be, um, is that I think you have to have a real rooting commitment. And for teams like the U.S. and Canada – um, you know, you want to have all the best players for Canada in particular. I mean, I, I mean, the, it's an interesting thing about this U23 team, this, mm-hmm. and, and that this team North America, in that it's a team that probably everyone is interested in this as they are in anything else. But to some degree, it, it impacts how I view the tournament. Yeah. And that it's in the end, it's not best on best because Conor McDavid isn't playing for Canada. <laughs> sure. Yeah. As an example, and you know, and it may seem a small factor, but but you know, these the World Cup um, and the Canada Cup before it, mm-hmm. and the Olympics are meant to determine what's the best hockey nation. So, this is not going to determine that, whatever the outcome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because uh, you know, all the best players aren't there, and I don't mean the injuries. Um, so. It's you know this isn't the, the 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 litmus test for what the best country uh, hockey nation is, and you know I, I it, it's it's a, a tournament to make money, and but I, I mean I'm going to be interested in it for sure. I'll be watching right. it and right. and you know and, and um, not so much have a rooting interest as much as you know a real interest in how players perform, mm-hmm. and you know we'll be. Um, you know, one of the things we're doing this year is that we're going to do our, our top 50 players, um, which we usually would come up be, be determined before that. We're going to do it after the tournament. Because okay. Yep. It'll be interesting to me to see that, you know, by the end of that tournament, and, and 
I'm not predicting this, but it's not inconceivable that that by the end of the tournament, we see an economy. David is the best player in the world, and and again, mm-hmm. um, I'm not predicting that. I mean, yeah, it's it it shouldn't be inconceivable because nope. by year two, Sidney Sydney Crosby was the best player in the NHL. Yeah. So why wouldn't it's quite possible this could be the case? Um, but but you know we haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, you know we haven't we've only seen forty plus games from him. Um, well, and you know again, uh, Mario Lemieux took a big leap after eighty seven. And, 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 yeah, so we, we expect the same kind of thing to happen very shortly for Connor McDavid. It, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it, you know, there is the, the interesting thing, again, is this U23 team is probably, I'm more interested in that than, 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 I'm you know, with probably, you. Yep. Yeah, probably that and, and really is, you know, Carey Price. Mm-hmm. They may be the, the two things, um, as I think about it, that matter the most. Right. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. And, and you know, again, um, there's a team, there's just a team Europe, you know, where Kopitar could play and, uh, and other people, you know, Char, Kopitar, these type of guys mm-hmm. that don't have enough uh, competitive players to line up as a, in, you know, a whole country. Um, so, yeah, there is some of that where you're just like, hey, it's kind of, it's not really the Canada Cup. It's not really the Olympics, but it's still, I mean, it'll be good, but and, I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. and you can't argue with, you know, the thinking of it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's interesting to put together that that team Europe and and the team North America, but does it affect in any way the emotional investment? And and now I I, I wouldn't be I I would expect though that and since it's based in Canada, that's where you know most of the interest mm-hmm. most of the interest is always in Canada. Yeah, I would expect that Canadians will be invested in 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 the outcome and in Team Canada. Think of it as think of it as as you know one more mm-hmm. opportunity to determine. Um, if Canada's a top country, but it's not quite that for me. Right. And I don't want to be the old man yelling at a cloud, mm-hmm. um, but 87 tournament was awesome. And, and even 96 when Team USA won, I felt was awesome. And maybe it's the gap. Like, maybe I'll be more excited in four years down the road when they do it again. Do you know what I mean? It just feels right now like yeah, this. It's funny you should mention 87 because just in in – and thinking through things, and, and I reviewed some of the stuff from the hockey news mm-hmm. today, just in, in preparation for this. And I realized in the last the last story I ever wrote for the hockey news, um, I talked about three things, and one of them was Canada Cup '87, which which I consider to be the absolute peak of hockey competitiveness. Yeah, there's never been anything like it. Now I'm old enough that I lived through '72, and '72 was mm-hmm. emotionally '72 was was the peak. But in terms of um, in terms of practical excellence, it was '87. Right. So to witness that and and to see the way you know that game was played and to have the you know the three straight games, um, it was it was just you know final between Soviet Union and Canada. It was fantastic. And for me, that's the greatest tournament there has ever been. Have Even you, more so, '72 was the most meaningful. Yeah. This was the greatest tournament, though. Uh, about six months ago, maybe longer, I went back and watched them. I have them on DVD. Uh, game two is pretty scratched, but I got through most of it. Um, huh. Phenomenal. Phenomenal hockey. Up and down. And uh, and Fear was amazing, and they were 6-5 games. And he was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and Gretzky, what did, what did he do? Gretzky had five, uh, I think, what did he have, five assists? Was he five points yeah. in that second game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and he just, I, I mean, I was at the game, and it was right. just, it was phenomenal to see him out there, the yeah. way he owned the ice surface. We were very happy. as uh, you know. Obviously, I grew up in Winnipeg. We were very happy our hometown man, uh, Dale Howarchuk, made the trip 
to uh, on the on the winning goal in game three. Yes, yes, he <laughs> so, did. Yeah, uh, it was Beekoff, I think, that he tripped. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah and, but, and, and speaking of Winnipeg, by the way, uh, they're Manitoba and Winnipeg is mm-hmm. about to make is about to make some long. Long overdue history that Nolan Patrick is is the Brandon Wheat Kings. He's regarded as the number one prospect yep. for the 2017 draft. He's a big centerman. He's the son of uh, Steve Patrick, who played in the NHL, was drafted by Buffalo. And Nolan is, you know, the presumptive number one. Mm-hmm. And if he is, he would be the first native Manitoban ever picked number one in the NHL. Yeah, yeah I guess so. That's right. I can't really yeah think of anybody. We had uh, um, uh, uh, Pat Falloon go two. Yes, you, yes, Pat Falloon. Um, I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. Yeah, so yeah, no, he was he he would be the first. So yeah, great. And the other interesting thing is that uh, or what piece of trivia is that he would be the the tenth. Um, it would be the tenth time in in draft history. It will be when he's picked that a father son combination were both picked in the first round. Oh yeah, Steve was picked sure. in eighty by Buffalo. Right, right. Um, Steve Dryden, everybody, uh, senior managing editor of hockey content on TSN. Uh, we'll touch on the World Cup real quick. What, what's TSN's plans for it? What are you guys uh, uh, going to do for it? Going to cover it much like you would, say, uh, a playoff game? Um, you exactly. Know? Yeah. We'll have. I mean, we will. We will have our. Um, we'll have our panel in mm-hmm. there every night, um, breaking it down. Most importantly, you know, I mean, uh, giving the opinions uh, on on the events of the day. So that'll be the major. Major thing that we're doing mm-hmm. down here. I'm interested to see. You know, ESPN got the rights, and so um, it's a graveyard for NHL coverage down here. I don't care what ESPN says publicly; they do not give the sport its due because they do not televise it. Have no skin in the game. Um, right. They'll deny that, but I, I just—it's unbelievable. When you go to ESPN.com, if I want to go read Pierre LeBrun's work or Scott Burnside's work, it is on the other tab. In season, when it's in season, it's on the other tab on the ESPN.com, and you got to scroll down past like NASCAR, college games, everything. And I'm like, come on, guys! Like they're actually playing games right now. But anyways, I'm gonna be interested to see how invested they get. Obviously, um, you know, John Butchergrass, great guy, and, and loves the game. And, and I'm gonna be interested down here in the U.S. to see what ESPN does for this tournament. Well, I'll, what I'll also be in, intrigued to see is is what traction it gets in the states mm-hmm. is that um what level of interest we know that there's going to be interest here we don't we don't know right. attendance um again for non-canada games but we know there's going to be interest it'll be driven by um the the you know the u23 team canada and the u.s certainly um, um because you know the u.s is is really canada's arch rival now mm-hmm. or so than it is russia um but but where, you know what what traction will it get in the states yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. There's no doubt. Um, let's get into the hockey news end of things for you. You were editor in chief for uh, many years. Uh, Bob McKenzie hired you in uh, the mid '80s, and, and it's ironic that you're sort of Bob's boss now, right? I mean, kind of in a roundabout <laughs> well, as way. Much yeah. as, as much as you can be Bob's boss, but, <laughs> but I, I can right. remember. I mean, Bob and I have have a very similar uh, background. Is that he was. Um, he worked in, in this, for the Sioux Star and covered mm-hmm. the Greyhounds, and he eventually left there, went to Toronto, and decided he was going to and was working at the Globe, and then he got the job as editor in chief of the Hockey News, and that was at the '81. Uh, it was that was the '81 draft mm-hmm. was, was when I first saw him. I was there, I was working in Cornwall at the time, so um, drove the hour to the Montreal Forum. The drafts were always in Montreal right. um, for years and years. And it was there that I happened to see Bob 
and uh, introduced myself and, and, and congratulated him, and that was that. And, and then three years later, he had an opening, and mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, he remembered meeting me, <laughs> and I mean, you know, called me, and uh, and we've been, if not together, ever since for mo- for a large part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what what was your early days at Hockey News consist of? You were just just an editor, a freelance guy. Well, I was uh, I was the assistant. I was a full time assistant editor to Bob. Okay. And wasn't I was there uh, until there was a. We had a um, we had some kind of reunion at, at Carleton University, which is where I went for mm-hmm. journalism. And I can remember, you know, in the months before that, I said to Bob, I said, Bob, I, I need I need a better title to go to this reunion. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to go as the assistant editor. Okay. You know, how about we make me the associate editor? Okay. Just so I can tell people when I get there that I'm the associate editor and. And he went for it. So, oh, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> so that's, that's how I went from being an assistant to an associate editor. He's like, I wanted to impress my friends or or not depress them, I suppose. Yeah, I, I write for a couple of magazines, and I want, one of them I'm an associate editor. Yeah. One of them I'm a contributor. One of them I'm editor-at-large. And I'm like, I don't like any of those titles. They don't sound very good. So. Editor-at-large, I like that one. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't even know. Does it, does it mean I'm wanted? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a way of, of saying you're connected, but not really. <laughs> right, see? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, you know, I, I am a freelance guy, so I guess that's all part of it, right? Yeah, the, um, but the Hockey News um, has you know, gone through an extraordinary evolution mm-hmm. since, since the 80s. It, you know, at the time, we would, we would get... We would get copy from all, you know. We would get copy via telecopier, and it was. Yeah. And then they would, and the stories would be input, and uh, you know, obviously the, the information that is available now, and has been available for a couple of decades now, uh, nothing like it. You'd have to go to the hockey news to find the information, and uh, you know, the, the 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 great line was that was that that you know, the teams would threaten their players that that they were trying to. To force them to play better, and says if you don't play better, mm-hmm. we'll send you so far that the hockey news won't be able to find you. <laughs> right. And, yeah. And, and that was, you know, that was the classic line because the hockey news covered everything. And I mean, it, it you know, it, why wouldn't it change? Everything changes over time. Um, but, but the hockey news went from being, you know, pretty, pretty um, influential voice, mm-hmm. uh, and and really delivering basic information. Um, and then doing some features and and being really trying to be be on top of the most important issues in hockey. Um, you know, for instance, Bob did a, you know did a, a fantastic cover uh, when the whole story broke about the Oilers uh, on cocaine. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that cover yep. vividly yep. Uh, that he did. So, and I think that you know, and Bob really changed the hockey news from. Um, he just changed it into something that was much more harder hitting and really assembled an all-star group around him, um, right down, you know, all the important voices, everyone from Jay Greenberg in Philadelphia, right. you know, to, to Dave Molnar in Pittsburgh, you know, all the important voices were in the hockey news. And um, we had a great cartoonist, Dave Elson, that was, you know, Bob's work. And he, he really began the whole thing with, with the, uh, you know, he's the pioneer of draft coverage as we know it. Today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's I mean, I'm a 25 year subscriber, maybe with a few gaps in there when I actually had no physical address when I was uh, <laughs> working down here, first getting started. But I basically have a 25 year subscriber to the thing, and it's it was I just couldn't wait to get it. You know, it, all the way through the late 80s, through the 90s, uh, uh, couldn't. You know, because we didn't have the internet. We obviously we didn't have all these ways of of getting information, and it was the hockey news that told me 
that the backup goalie for Pittsburgh was playing mm-hmm. well, and, and this guy is coming on, you know? Yeah, you just didn't have that information. No. But, the, you know, the, the, the great thing was, and, and give a sense of the impact it had, was in particular what Bob was doing with the draft, is that he used to assemble um, a ranking. Mm-hmm. And 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 even prior to that, not used to, he still does. In fact, sorry, but but then one of the things he did was he would always get the the central scouting list, which was a deep dark. Secret. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. So he would get Huge it somehow. <laughs> so he would get it from his sources, and then we would publish it. But mm-hmm. the issue was that the NHL hated it. They were so un- they were so sour <laughs> that he was getting it and publishing it that they eventually started sending different. Uh, copies, oh, uh, different lists to find out. Teams, yeah, yeah. To find out who the leak was. Sure. So Bob, um, one step ahead, um, <laughs> would then to, to be on the safe side, he would change a couple of uh, change a couple of names on the, on the list. Oh, okay. Yeah, just so to that, make sure. Yeah. yeah. So if, you know, that they, so no one ever knew where he was getting it from. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, they would actually yeah. change the list. Teams would get different lists. So, oh. So you know. how did uh, how did Bob? So Bob left in '91, and you became editor in chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, something that you had no problem, you wanted something you were happy with, uh, um, and I guess obviously Bob shaped a lot of your sort of ideals, and then you had your own ideas and thoughts about how to make hockey news into your own. Um, I guess how was that transition made, and and what did you change, if anything, from the way Bob did things? Well, I think that I think in the end that um, you know that Bob and I became. Um, you know, very, um, I, I, I think a good team. I think mm-hmm. Bob had the things that I wouldn't say so much his strengths, but probably his strengths. I would have my strengths. Right. Also the points of emphasis and, you know, different things that we would do. I would, uh, I might be argued that, that certainly over the years that I may have been more in the minutia than Bob. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we made a great, a great, I think, partnership in that regard. I mean, you know, one of the stories that, that, that I'm proudest of was in the spring of 87 when I just, you know, after that Easter epic game, right. when LaFontaine scored, was it fourth overtime? Yeah, uh, fourth, yeah, fourth. Yeah, I think, yeah. And, and he, is it, you know, watched that game, and then I, I went, wow, wait a sec, there wasn't a single power play. <laughs> so, right. that, well, that's strange. And I yeah. wonder when, when the last time was there has been an, uh, a power play in overtime. And it turns out it had been more than three years. Jeez, oh, really? So in the NHL power play and the playoffs uh-huh. over time, there had not been a power play in three years. Gee whiz. <laughs> that. Yeah, right. I mean, really? Unbelievable. Yeah, three years. So, and, and Andy Van Helmen didn't call a penalty that, in that one. Right. And, um, and there was never... Uh, it, it, and, in four it, periods, no one committed one infraction. No. So, so what happened was that... Um, uh, that I brought to the NHL's attention, and it led to, it, first of all, it was it was fantastic. I mean, hilarious then because, you know, the, in those days, of course, that, that you could talk to anyone, and there weren't there weren't the same kind yeah. of um, uh, restrictions or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. And so you could talk to anyone. I mean, I, uh, uh, Emil Francis, who was the, the Hartford GM, his mm-hmm. his reaction was, "You got to be kidding." <laughs> I mean, the, the GMs had no idea. Yeah, and so I, and I was talking to the, you know the head of the officials, everyone. Yep. And because it was it was a simpler simpler times, and and so it was just and, and by the next year, they were calling penalties in overtime. Really? Huh? Just like so that. It directly changed. affected. Yeah, the story directly yeah, I mean, affected. And, and I'm yeah. loathed. I mean, it's not there aren't it isn't often, but the next year it changed. So. Huh. Uh, and and. 
so that was you know one of the things that 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 would intrigue me um and bob um you know um so that was what i brought to it right. i also brought i brought certain certain things that i cared about certain advocacy i mean i was mm-hmm. as, as i'm sure you know i've been uh, I'm almost been an anti-fighting activist. Yeah, we spoke and, about it last, yeah, last podcast. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and so uh, I, um, you know, use the platform a lot for that because I think it's been important. Mm-hmm. And um, so you know that was that kind of idea would uh, really change. But but it didn't. But by the time I, that I, I succeeded, Bob, um, we were, you know, we were working hand in hand, and the ideas were, were very similar. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't. It wasn't like there would be a massive change uh, in philosophy. So when the issue dropped, uh, whether you were working underneath Bob or when you were the editor-in-chief, the issue dropped, what, Tuesday? Monday, Tuesday? Right? I don't, Monday. Yeah, okay. I think I got them Tuesday because I live in Winnipeg or whatever. Um, yeah. The phone would start ringing in your office, I'm sure, uh, yeah. from a number of NHL executives, uh, happy, unhappy, wanting to talk about it. Again, like you said with the, with the overtime story. Um, were there things that... You, I mean, did you feel like you were under fire at times? Because, again, like, yeah, you guys did take a stance that, you know, there wasn't really out there bef- at times. And I want to say uh, whether it was fighting from articles from you about fighting, some stats about, like, that overtime, um, different uh, um, uh, obstruction issues where, where I remember there was a big thing on Hockey News on, on penalties and, 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 you know, what happens and players being upset about uh, obstruction creeping into the game more and more. Um, was it at times difficult to? Uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, you know, in, in particular, I mean, I, I mentioned the Bob. Certainly, Bob was under great fire um, for what he did with the Oilers, and, and he yep. did it. With, and and you know, he he was it was a fantastic piece of, of journalism, and he did it. He did a terrific job on that. Um, yeah, because we we viewed ourselves to some degree. Uh, what what the hockey news was then, and and not to dim, certainly it's, it remains a. Uh, an absolutely vital publication with great leadership, and they do a lot of they do all the important things. It's a little different then because I think mm-hmm. we're a little more responsible for the agenda. We thought of ourselves as, as more of an agenda-setting function mm-hmm. because there wasn't there weren't the platforms that exist now. Right. So you'd have that one voice in particular that that some to some way, and sometimes you might view yourself as the conscience of the game. And it's not that others aren't doing that now. It there are more doing it, and there are more. You know, aggregators. Mm-hmm. To some degree, of course, we were we were the aggregator in paper. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And now, so so that function exists, and it was just it, it certainly had it, it had a, a, a you know a real voice. I mean, you know, some of the things we also had magazines. I can remember that. You know, one of the things that the NHL um, um, was really unhappy with was that, you know we early on we I set up a a, a player uh, a player survey mm-hmm. with every. With every NHL team, and you know, ask them all these questions, and it would gain simpler times. Yeah. So you could ask them all the, you know, all the, all, all these questions that you would never get, in, never get into a room now. And you know, they were very unhappy when, even though I, you know, I'd, I'd actually given them some kind of a heads up yeah. when, when that emerged, and the results of that, of that emerged. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it was th- that in particular. Yeah. Was one of those things. It, I know for, for me though, probably. Um, the the most the, probably the most difficult moment was self inflicted. Oh, okay. And and, and it wasn't it, it wasn't so much what the NHL was saying as what what I was feeling and saying. And that was in in 1989. We, we had the Inside Hockey was a magazine. Mm-hmm. I and, remember. Yeah. Yeah, and you know it was a monthly magazine. 
doing some longer form pieces. And we would, we would um, one of the things that the idea that I had was to have an inside hockey man of the year. And that idea was to recognize someone who made a great contribution in hockey, but you wouldn't necessarily think of. I mean, we had um, Dr. Tom Pashby, who was a real leader in, 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 eye, in eye care mm-hmm. for players and, and pushing for visors. And, you know, various people that are, that do, that are slightly maybe under the surface a little bit, but making critical, critical contributions. And, well, in 89, um, I, and it was me, I named Graham James Man of the Year. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I had come to know uh, Graham over the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, you know, had this anti-violence uh, approach to the game and such. And so, and, you know, they won the Moral Cup. And then, and then he, you know, then word eventually, of course, we learned that he was sure. abusing his players. So, so once that emerged, uh, you know, the pictures that we were seeing in the papers... Uh, or on the wire were of him holding the inside hockey. Yep, absolutely. Uh, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. 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 And and you know, it was it was one of the lowest moments. Um, well, <laughs> you I mean, yeah. that, that you were that you were that I had been um like a lot of other people um uh fooled. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it was everywhere. His man of the year and the man of the year who did this. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was trotted out a lot. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> it was. Yeah. And he's a Winnipegger. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he is. You're right about that. Um, was there a story that, uh, uh, maybe the overtime one, um, that you got the most heat for from the NHL? Um, the, the one that maybe maybe some of your uh, fighting stances or, or the survey? Uh, was that the one that... Uh, I would say that lots sur- of the, the, the fighting thing, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I would definitely, definitely, definitely get, um, and get pushback on that. And, and that there were, you know, that they, they were always saying, like, you know, I remember one time uh, Gary Bettman calling me Johnny One Note. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that vividly. Johnny One and Note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't appreciate it. Oh, Bob um, probably liked it, though. Bob probably loved it. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, I would say that, that as much as anything yeah. it would, it would, would put, put us or, you know, me in particular in the crosshairs. Every, anything ever happened to you? And I've had this in my sport. You know, I cover Supercross and Motocross, mm-hmm. and I've had this. I've had a credential uh, denied. I've had a credential be threatened to take away from an event. Um, anything like that for you? No, I never faced that. I no. never faced yeah. that. The, no. most, the most trying, um, the most trying event in, in, in my career wasn't that. It was a little more visceral. It was when I was in Cornwall covering the Cornwall Royals mm-hmm. um, out, of, out of university, and I'd written about something about um, one of the players. That and it was it was critical of the player after the coach had been fired, mm-hmm. and season ended. And in those days, he traveled on the bus, so he was traveling back from Peterborough to Cornwall. And I was sitting up at the front of the bus. I'm sitting there. And I feel a, a tap on my on my back or my head. Mm-hmm. Turn around, and 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 I see the I see one of the players. Uh, in his uh, camo gear, because he was a hunter, mm-hmm. and his prey at that moment was me, and he was a player I had to criticize, and he started um, uh, flailing away at me. Now, oh wow! Jeez. Now the, the the fact of the matter is is that he was a pretty tough guy, 
And so I'm not sure. I mean, I, I pretty much just held on. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. I mean, he probably he probably could have done more damage than he did. Yeah. No, geez. <laughs> wow. That, I would say that that was probably the most, um, you know, if you're looking for feedback, that yeah. was feedback. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Um, I also feel like the hockey news, and maybe my memory is off here, but I do feel like the hockey news was sort of on this Gilstein, uh, you know, he seceded uh, Ziegler as a commissioner, put himself in the Hall of Fame, and I feel like the hockey news, and maybe that's, like I said, maybe... You know what it was? Off, it was but... Bob who was with the Toronto Star. Oh, was it? Okay. And Bob, right. Bob was, that, that was him leading... Um, you know, really, uh, that was his scoop. Okay. Scoops, and certainly we were we were on it as well. Yeah. But it was Bob who who broke that story uh, for the Toronto Star. Okay, I remember the cover story on Hockey News the next week or, or yeah. after the you know um, yeah. um, about Gill and kind of going behind the back. Um, uh, you're the speaking of the leadership of the NHL. Um, Eighty-eight, we had the the the, the referee strike over uh, um, the John, J- Jim Schoenfeld incident and. Uh, um, there was a, the USA Network down here in the U.S. that was kind of a, a major flop for the NHL. Ziegler leaves, Stein comes in, Bettman comes in as well at the early times. Did you start seeing the leadership of the NHL um, react differently, be maybe more professional over your time? How, how did that go when sort of they got out of the Stone Ages, I would call the Stone Ages of Ziegler and, and, and these guys? Well, I would say during, during the time that, that we were at the Hockey News, that two things happened, that the NHL became a more professional operation. For example, I mean, this story that was done about, um, you know, the officiating, and they no one even knew it. Mm-hmm. That had been three years since the power play. And then I was able to talk to all these, all these officials, including uh, John McCauley, who was the, the head of the referees, director right. of officiating. And, and nowadays, you know, now that would never happen. No, no, no. But they would also have all the data that, that could, it couldn't happen. But... But I think that Bettman brought a professionalism to it, just as Bob Goodenow professionalized the NHLPA. Right. I think that's the two things we saw. I mean, and, and, and again, what would you expect over a period of 30 years? Of course, things will change right. and become more sophisticated. And that's what we saw. But before that, things were... Um, I mean, could you literally call Ziegler and get him on the phone? Um, more likely to get Bettman, actually. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. I, yeah. I, I except that Ziegler was, except that Ziegler was the one who was unhappy with me about the survey. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> true. True. Um, salary disclosure, a huge deal. And again, I remember the hockey news printing it, discussing mm-hmm. it, talking about it. That was good. Now, uh, telling everybody, hey, publish your salaries. It's good for the whole uh, PA. Everyone's going to get a raise. That mm-hmm. was a big deal. That was huge. Oh. The first time I mean, you guys put the salaries on the cover and and all that, uh, it blew open. Yeah, Bob Goodenow, um, you know, I remember when he got the job in Pittsburgh. Um, or, and, and, you know, Bob Goodenow was a, a major difference maker. I think that what he did, and I mentioned about the professionalism that mm-hmm. he brought to it. And I also think that, I mean, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I would say that the chances of that are, are fairly slim. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the NHL Hall of Fame, it's the Hockey Hall of Fame. Right. And, and whereas I certainly didn't agree with everything he did, nor his methods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that that what he did and the impact he had, um, and it, it was but nothing but good for the game and the overall business. Right. And I so, think he had a bit of egg on his face with that last last his last lockout, right? And where he the, did, yeah, he, he he absolutely did. But I think that I mean that's like. But that's what I think people may remember. People, yeah. Right. But yeah. but what player, you know, how many players went out um, with you know a diminished 
So yep. I wouldn't, you know, what, that, on sure. that one, yeah. I, I wouldn't even. I mean, no, nobody, nobody has a. Uh, you know, has a perfect batting average, Absolutely. and nobody and nobody delivers at the highest level all the time. Yep. And and I agree that that he didn't he didn't cover himself with glory in mm-hmm. the last negotiation. Mm-hmm. But I believe he you know I believe he belongs in the Hall of Fame, just like I believe Don Baisley belongs in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, as as the the most respected agent the game has ever known, and, yeah. and you know, a, a, and a, a force for. Uh, Don Adams used to say, would, would, would say, and get get smart, a force for good in the game. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Winnipeg guy too. Um, yeah. Uh, the expansion, uh, you know, '79 they they, they got the, the WHA teams, and uh, before that it had been a while, and then there was a long gap of 21 teams. Um, we saw the San Jose come in. We saw Ottawa, Tampa Bay. Uh, what was it like covering those processes? And I mean, there was that thing. I read Espo's book about he almost sort of like kind of fibbed his way to an expansion team, you know, with some mysterious owners. Um, Hamilton was trying to get one with um, the Tim Horton, uh, Ron Joyce. And yep. then Ottawa comes out of nowhere. Like, when you're covering this, and again, you're just a neutral observer from the outside, are you just going, what are these guys doing? Why are you going to Tampa Bay? Well, I think that spoke to to the idea that it, was not a, it wasn't a professionalized operation. <laughs> right, I mean, obviously right. it was. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it stuns you that the Tampa Bay could get, uh, could get your, get uh, that job simply because they were, uh, as I recall, that there was a, a chance of Espo Espo once it was acknowledged. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Right, <laughs> right. And, you know what? What bunch of CEOs yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. You know, governors do that? <laughs> and then you know, in Ottawa, really didn't have the finances for it. So you know, and even afterward, we know that that. That that uh, cracks emerged mm-hmm. and and you know things slip slip through the cracks um, and which is really what you shouldn't be saying about expansion. No, but, no. But I would say that that certainly you know that was you know they were um, you know due diligence was not what it is now. Yeah. Um, and you know covering that stuff and I remember being clearly in Anaheim, um, you know for their opening night. Yep. And and seeing the operation and 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 talking to to, to Michael Eisner. And 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 he was always on it. He was always wearing, as I recall, he had he always wore a cap or he always had something with Disney, <laughs> with Disney, and he was always, always, always had had the brand going. But yeah. I, I remember vividly him saying that that he was asked about a certain thing that is he was having to go into a, bi- a, a different direction in his business, and I don't recall what that was, except that his answer was why he was going into it was he said, well, it's not that I want to, it's I have to, you know, I have to, I have to occupy that marketplace. And it was, it was a very interesting to me is that he wasn't, and it's something that, you know, I'm sure yeah. a lot of business is predicated on is that you, you don't do it necessarily because you want to do it. It's because if you don't do it, someone else will, and that will impact, impact negatively on you. But in your business, yeah, no, yeah. it was, and that was the night that, that, that um, mascot came down and got stuck in the air. Oh, that's right. And yeah, didn't make it all the way to the ice. So that was a little bit wild wing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. wild wing. Yeah, that's right. exactly it. Uh, was there a story in your time at Hockey News? Again, either uh, as, a, as associate editor or um, editor in chief, a story that you had, you think you had, uh, but you couldn't run. I've had this in my work as far as it goes. I couldn't track down exactly what the truth was, exactly what had happened. I kind of can't run something because I can't just, you know, run a bunch of people telling me off the record and things like that. Um, and then it maybe something, and then it turned out that it was true, that it, it happened. Was there a story that you well, kind of well, missed the one, on? The one that we, we've taken, uh, we've taken some, uh, uh, 
unhappiness from our, our, ourselves is that you know that that there was a there was a clue uh, about the. Uh, about the Wayne Gretzky trade. In oh, fact, okay. There, there was a tip that came to our office. It wasn't to me, and, and uh, it, we were aware of this, so there was mm-hmm. some awareness there, and and didn't believe it. <laughs> just said no way. Three days later, he was traded. <laughs> so, so I would say that wasn't, again, not a shining moment for us. Right. Um, but you would have had to wait. The reality yeah. is, is that there were others, um, others in that situation. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, there were, there were some that... That we're aware of it, and, and you know, we we had a sense of it as well. And then somebody else drops it on, and you're like, "Oh man, it, it did happen," or someone did. It was a fairly big story, yes. Yeah, when he was traded to L.A. You're yeah. right. <laughs> um, you were like, "Oh, if we only would have made some phone calls, if we only would have, you know, spoken to that guy or believed it." Yeah. Right. Um, Ziegler, Batman, uh, anybody calling you up and yelling at you, and they're you're at, and I've been in this position again in my sport. They're asking you, you know, how do you know that? Who told you that? And you, and you have to kind of sit there and be like, I, I can't tell you, um, you know, because to protect your story. And, and sort of a lot of things come off the record and they start you rolling in a direction. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and and the the best the, probably the. The most challenging one, or one of the most challenging for me, was with, during the whole Eagleson story, when Russ Conway was doing brilliant work, Hall mm-hmm. of Fame work, uh, for the Lawrence Eagle Tribune, yep. dealing um, um, all these transgressions, and and it really wasn't getting a whole lot of, it wasn't yeah. too much traction yet in Canada, but you know, as the paper of, of record, we did it, and um, and. I put together the story mm-hmm. and now wanted to talk to Alan Eagleson. Now Eagleson was overseas, and he, but you know, he got my message. Right. And his response was, uh, "Can't talk to you. I'll talk to you when I get back. But be aware, the libel laws are hard, they're tougher, more vigilant in Canada and USA, <laughs> which I believe is called libel's pill." Right. Um, so. He, um, uh, so I wrote, the, I did the story, mm-hmm. and went through previous uh, stories that we had done that that gave, that said, you know, couldn't get Eagleson, but this is what this is what he has said in the past or found yeah. found, found something. And so the next week when I met with him, um, uh, at the office uh, at his fiefdom, he he actually said to me, "You did a smart thing there." Oh, <laughs> putting wow! That, putting that stuff in because it it protected us and obviously it told the story better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was. That was really the best example of you know essentially getting a flat out. Um, I'm warning you that if, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't if if you don't do this right, you're going to be sued. I read Russ's book. It's unbelievable the things yeah. that, that Alan was doing. Uh, as far as the dipping, he had his hands in so many buckets. It was uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was astonishing. Yeah, it really yeah, was. And, and again, exemplary work by Russ. Uh, over under number of Brian Burke calls yelling at you, whether he was the agent, <laughs> the GM of Hartford. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or with the office, or with all the, the roles, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I've had lots of those conversations with Brian, and then, then, and then Brian ended up working for us and working in studios. So, so I, I, yeah. I came, to, came to know him, um, and uh, and I have an appreciation for for his intellect for sure. I have an appreciation also for the fact that I think that he, um, you know, it, it's it's all well and good that that Lou Lamorello, for example, and others are so restrained and mm-hmm. so unlikely to say things. But you can't have 30 people like that. And, yeah. and, and even, you know, one of them isn't necessarily good for the game. Um, and, it, I mean, I, in terms of, you know, the public, uh, I mean, not in terms of his record, of course, mm-hmm. Amarillo, but 
But Burke understands, I think, on some level. First of all, he loves it. Yeah. Loves the attention. Yep. Um, he's got lots to say, but he he I give him lots of credit because he's filled a lot of headlines during his career, and and that's what you know. That's a big part. We're in the entertainment business, all of us. Do you think a little bit of his thin-skinnedness cost him in Toronto? Obviously, there was the the board members that kind of. I mean, once the lockout was over, they just canned him right away. I thought, um, as a Leaf fan, I, I he wasn't perfect. He didn't do a great thing, but I I felt confident that he could do it eventually. Um, but you know, sort of when he got let go, a lot of people were like, "Yeah, he was calling. For, he was calling everybody. He was yelling at them. He wanted to fight them. He he read everything about himself." And uh, I mean, is that sort of an issue? Do you think? I think a bigger issue might have been was, was how well he was going to fit in with the corporate culture. Mm-hmm. And, tell them to uh, yeah. Tell them to pound sand. Yeah, and I think that I think that might be. Um, I, I always I, I always think that you know there there are exceptions, but for the most part, what happens with the with the public with the media is is generally not should generally is generally not a decisive factor, but of course it can be. Mm-hmm. But. For something like that, I think it's, it's I think it's more significant what happens behind closed doors, in a in in a corporate situation than what how he may react mm-hmm. uh, um, publicly, whether it's Brian Burke or anyone else. Wrapping us up here with Steve Dryden, senior managing editor of hockey content on TSN Sports Network up in Canada, uh, my childhood sports network, of course. Um, and it bums me out because now with 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 Rogers getting the rights, NHL Network is revamped, and so I don't see TSN nearly as much as I used to, or TSN <laughs> figures, anyways. Um, the uh, the hockey news now uh, again uh, close to your heart somewhere that uh, you know really formed you as a, as a journalist and probably in your job now it's just they've cut back the number of issues they've they, it's it's thinner it's a little different slant on things because obviously just the times we are like every magazine I, it's a different landscape and, and and how do you adapt how do you do it it's tough right like it is but it, you know yeah. I give them credit I mean they're um, because you know they work hard. At making them, at, 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 I mean, the whole thing for everybody, not just the hockey news, is being relevant, and they work very hard at being relevant and remain relevant mm-hmm. and with what they do on the web, with the special features they do, with with the kind of stories that they'll um, uh, they'll focus on. I mean, Ken Campbell is a is a very interesting and important voice in hockey, and you know he's back of the book, mm-hmm. um, and you can read him every issue. So I, I think that. I think it remains relevant. I think that, and, and they've understood that you, 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 everyone has to find their place. Yeah. And you know, where the, the in, in the past it was a broader context, like everything else in the world. Theirs is a little more narrow now, but yeah. but I I do believe that they remain um, a must read, a, a must go to the yeah. website. Yeah. Yeah. I, Future I Watch, I love it. Draft Preview, I love it. Yeah. All great Absolutely. stuff. You know. Um, uh, last question for you here, well, or last topic, and then we'll we'll, we'll uh, let you get on with your day. You said something about Burke being in studio, and that kind of triggered some other memories. Um, these guys that come in, Paul Maurice, I think you had Paul Maurice, or was that the other network? I did. Okay, all right. No, no, no. Just to making sure. Not the other network. <laughs> right. uh, 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 torts. Love torts. But how do you, when you sit down with these guys, Stephen, I imagine you're in the group, or you may be the guy uh-huh. that reaches out. Um, how do you decide who to reach out to? What What's your first speech to them as far as, you know, being on TV? And, and we want to... We want to hear what you think. We don't want you to sort of protect your next job, right? Well, I think you just said it. Is that is that you know don't do it if you don't want to say something. Right. Right. Don't okay. Do it. Yeah. And, and we and, and I always say that. I mean, whether it's Peter Laviolette, John Tortorella, 
whomever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's the toughest thing with players, as an example. You know, people think they want to do it, but then something will occur where you need an opinion. And I'm saying, if you're not ready to say those things, you don't want to do the job. Yeah. You don't. Because we're, we're going to be frustrated, you're going to be frustrated, and it's just not going to work. Have you had you guys know? walk away? They've been like, forget it. I don't want to do it. No, it's more. It's more likely that we, you know, that, that yeah, you, you guys move you know, on. That we have a sense. Right. We we quickly get a sense and don't commit unless someone's mm-hmm. going to talk. I mean, um, you know, I mean, there are not everyone's going to be Jeff O'Neill, but, right. but Jeff O'Neill is fantastic in that regard. And in torch, uh, the example I use always is that I I, I encourage the, the the coaches and mm-hmm. and I say you, you can't be worried about what you're going to say because. You know, for a couple of reasons, that you're overestimating the impact. Secondly, you know, you're thinking, you know, everything you say is going to be heard. And do you want to work for a, uh, an operator or a person mm-hmm. that doesn't want honesty? And then, you know, right. I mean, I can, I'll never forget Torts um, ripping. Torch was great. Torch was yeah, just great. He ripped Sean Avery. Okay. In uh, <laughs> I think in the quiz. Yeah. Just ripped him, and a month later he was coaching coaching Avery and the and the Rangers. Yeah, and it was a, it was a perfect example of, do you really think the Rangers aren't going to hire him because of that? Yeah, they they want the best coach, and do you really think it matters, in the end to the relationship between Torts and Avery, that he ripped him on television? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it it'd be nice to think that that everything that was said was that important. Mm-hmm. But it's not. I, I mean, there, there are some things that would be fatal, for sure. But for the most part, if you're authentic mm-hmm. and, and you're honorable about what you're saying, uh, I don't think you have to. They're, they're, people shouldn't worry. I mean, I can't say that they – I don't mean to be unrealistic, but so mm-hmm. we've sought out those people. And I think we have a pretty good record of finding those people. Was Torts the best? Was Torts the best or what? I mean, come on. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not going. You know, I'm not going to really want to to pick Torts over um, others. I would say that uh, he is certainly among the best. I mean, the guys. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean so much like the Marty Baron and Jeff O'Neill and Jamie McClendon, yeah. the guys that retired yeah. now. I mean, the guys that yeah. sort of dropped in and went. I think Paul Maurice would, was good too. Paul Maurice was surprisingly really good. He was really good. Yeah, I would say that Torts was a high impact guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was. It was. It was must see TV. Just disgusted with the quiz. And yeah. disgusted with being, <laughs> I just thought it was great. You yeah, know? We, so, we've replayed it a few times. Right, right. And uh, Mark Crawford too has been in, right? Pro was yeah. yeah. Well, Pro uh, was terrific. Yeah, absolutely terrific. And and I've known him since, um, you know, since I was in Cornwall. But mm-hmm. he was on the he was on the, the Stanley Cup, sorry, the Memorial Cup winning team in '81. Mm-hmm. And uh, interesting, so I knew yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, so, uh, in fact, I was just in. I was just in Cornwall for the, the Cornwall Sports Hall of Fame. My, my old colleague was inducted, and Mark Crawford was there to uh, Mark Crawford and Doug Carpenter, the old yeah, the other Royals coach, yeah. and the Leaf coach, and Devils, and, and they were there to help usher him in. He was my one of my favorite childhood Leaf coaches because he didn't seem to care about defense when he coached them. Carpenter, <laughs> remember they just were all offense that couple yeah. of years. And uh, so, if you covered Cornwall, you must have covered Howard Chuck then. Well, Howard Chuck was there. Um, Just the one. I arrived and uh, I arrived, came out of university, and my first week on the job, the Royals were in Windsor mm-hmm. in the process of winning their second straight. Um, oh, okay. Cup. 
So then, yeah, and then so, he was drafted. So, yeah. Yeah. He, and that's, that's where, I, that's when I went to that draft. And that, in fact, it all comes back to meeting Bob at, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the right. draft in Montreal. Well, uh, thanks, Steve. Thanks for your time. I'd love to get Bob on here. Ray told me there's zero chance of Bob McKenzie ever doing a, a podcast with me. But um, <laughs> again, I feel like, you know, you were one of the guys, of pioneers, a voice of my, not to make you feel old, I'm 41, but a voice of my childhood hockey. You know what I mean? Kind of a guy like, you told me things in the hockey news, what was going on, what I should pay attention to, what was coming up. Um, and, and as a guy that's probably looks back more at the game than he should look, you know, like I, I just like the old days, you know, <laughs> I probably need to focus more on now. But, um, um, yeah, I just a great walk down memory lane, man. Thank you. Uh, thanks for your time and everything else once again. My pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Steve. Bye.